This is HPR episode 2906 entitled Feature Engineering for Data Driven Decision Making. It is hosted by BEZ and is about 17 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is In this episode, I explain feature engineering and how it can be used to make decisions. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Radio fans, this is Be Easy once again with another episode, this time talking about a topic that's very important to me and the work that I do, and it's something that I've been promising to talk about on HBR for almost the entire year, and that has to do with uh, a talk that I've been giving uh, at a couple different conferences regarding data-driven process development and becoming a data-driven company or a data-driven person requires creating processes that use data as the backbone of the, of the, of your uh, of your thought process and I was trying to figure out how uh, what part of the talk would be of interest to the hacker public radio audience and I think I found it and that has to do with a topic called feature engineering. And feature engineering in data science or machine learning is, uh, as as uh, Wikipedia defines it, is the process of using domain knowledge to create features that make machine alg- uh, learning algorithms work. And in particular, I think of it as a way of hacking data to turn it into information. Hacking in the sense that we are all used to, which is t- taking something that has a, an, a, an original use and repurposing it to do something else. And if you've ever had to do any type of data analysis, I'm not going to go into machine learning, uh, nor did I go into machine learning in, in the talks that I've been giving because it wasn't uh, appropriate for the audience at the time. Uh, they would have probably fell, fallen asleep or just uh, simply walked out if I started going on and on about the ins and outs of support vector machines or something like that. Uh, so instead, I, I, I focus on things that I think are more universal and things that are applicable to things outside of just the context of, uh, you know, oncology research and medical diagnostics. And so a feature, if you think about it, is a piece of information that you use in a machine learning context to as an use that uh, information as an input to be able to help you predict an output and a more business intelligence or business uh, or data analysis sense it is a, it is information that you're using 
that can help you make a decision. And important in my mind for 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 data driven process development and data driven decision making is that you actually one you have used uh, measurable outcomes um, as your input, and two you actually have in your processes you know thresholds lines in the sand that if you cross them you make a decision one way or another. If, when you have that, it doesn't matter which pe- person is making the decision, you're making a consistent decision over time. And if you want to monitor that threshold and say, well, let's look at the last 85 times we, we made the decision, how many times did we find out that it was the wrong decision? You'll have data to back up that, um, any, any modifications to that threshold. So and that's something that's really important that I want to make sure that the audience here understands and that I made sure that that was really apparent in the talk. And in the talk I gave, I did a live coding demo uh, with, with a couple of different examples, but the one I'm going to focus on here has to do with uh, something that I think most people can understand. And that's the idea of say you are a, a doctor and you have patients obviously, and you order a certain test for your patients when they have a certain disease or when you, when you think that they might have a certain disease and you choose to use, I don't know, my laboratory to send your, send your patients to, to get the test done. Well, at my laboratory, I have really poor laboratory information systems. And the only data that I capture because I'm not being, compliant by regulations in this hypothetical, but the only data I'm gathering is the name of the ordering client, or maybe more, more likely as, as data analysts, they don't want to give me um, more data that I should have because it might not be compliant with privacy and, and, and uh, HIPAA uh, compliance matters. The only data that I have is uh, a line for every time a client ordered uh, any 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 test, and all I have is the client's name and the date that they ordered. Now, obviously, I can do some basic information. I can do some basic things like group by the client and the date, or group by the client and the and the week, and see how many orders each client has sent every week. All right, so that's first order you know, data aggregation. And that can tell you one, who are your most uh, active clients? You know, the people who send you the most volume and it'll tell you how that volume changes over time. You know, you can put in a graph, you can put each client in a different color and you can watch them go up and down as time goes on every week or every month or however else you want to monitor it. But in this case, let's just talk about every week. All right. So one thing that happens sometimes is that for whatever reason, a client or several clients may no longer be happy with your services and they don't call you up and say, Hey, I hate what your test does or I hate you. It's not effective. I'm going somewhere else. What they do instead is they just leave and they just stop sending you uh, patients for, for tests. Now, if you have 
hundreds of clients, how do you manage that? How do you find, how do you know when someone has just silently left? And you can think about this in another context, you know, you know, any, any type of business scenario where you're, where you're having orders and, and all of a sudden you're, you have continuous, uh, uh, orders and all of a sudden your volume decreases. Well, as an organization or as an individual, you have limited resources, so you can't go chasing down every single client. Maybe you're small enough and you can, but but if you're not, you have to focus on the ones that mean the most to your business. And in this case, let's say the ones that mean the most to our business are the ones that have the highest volume. That's usually the case, but not always. Sometimes there could be other strategic reasons why certain clients might be important. Uh, but in this case, let's think about it in the context of in the context of, well, who's sending me the most, who's giving me the most money? Well, just using those two data points, we've already done volume. And, and so we can say, well, let's focus on our top, I don't know, 100 or 20 clients. And those are the people that we're going to go after because we have five uh, salespeople or five hours in my day that I can go reach out to people and I can spend an hour, uh, a couple hour, a couple minutes on each one. And those are the people I want to focus on. Well, how do I know which of those are an issue? Well, something that a couple of data points that I would want to see, you know, this is the domain knowledge part is I would want to know when they first ordered any sample, when was the last time they ordered and how many days has it been since the last time they ordered along with that volume and having all those other pieces of information I can I, uh, I I can learn a lot more. So if the first time that they ordered was, you know, three or four years ago, I know that this is a client that has been with the organization for a long time. And, you know, there's probably something that happened that made them lose confidence. If it's someone that's new, maybe, they, you know, they sent a bunch of stuff uh, right at the beginning because they had a bunch of patients with that illness. Maybe there's a breakout in their area or whatever. And then they stopped. And so um, looking at these data, different pieces of data, we can put different thresholds down and we can make a little if-then statement. But for simplicity's sake, I'm going to make an if-then statement that just says, if it has been more than 10 days since the last time they ordered, then, and and their volume is more than 50 samples a week, then we will put them on the list of people to reach out to. And you do that, you know, and that's the decision that we're going to make. And so just from having those first two items, I'm using uh, a concept called, um, you know, just just doing a, a date difference between, uh, you know, putting all of them in, in order and then doing a date difference between any any two lines that, that come from the same client. And and that's it. We're just by doing that, we have all this more information and we can do it like a, we can do a minimum date to find out the first order. You can do a maximum date to find out the last ordered. And that's, you know, really simple. You can do that in, in any programming language, even in, in uh, most spreadsheet software. And now we've made that list of thousands of clients down to uh, a manageable number. And if we don't like that number over time, we can set a threshold at a different place, or we can say we will use the volume and the day since last ordered. Um, and also the first ordered, if it's been more than, you know, six months since the first order, you know, having this data means that you can put, 
new thresholds in place. Well, sometimes uh, you might not want to wait until the people have completely left. You might want to do something before then. A lot of times what happens in in my industry, and it happens, I think, a lot of times, is that people don't just leave you cold turkey. They will maybe start to send some of your patients to a competitor and some to you as like a way to start slowly trickle over to that new uh, that new service. And uh, the, there's many reasons why they do that. One is because they don't want to jeopardize all their patients all at once. So if that new person is really not good, they're only, you know, they, they, they're not jeopardizing more than a, their most, their lowest risk patients at once. But as a person who wants to maintain their business, I want to be able to see if the volume is starting to decrease. And a lot of times you get into a situation I've been in a lot of work environments where all they talk about is, well, decreasing. Well, what does decreasing mean? You know, decreasing to the salesperson means this, to the CEO means that, to the guys working in um, doing the work every day means something else. And and so having a having a concrete definition of what decreasing means is the first step. And so in this case, I chose decreasing meaning if two consecutive weeks the volume has gone down, I consider that decreasing. And so, actually, what did I say? Two or did I say three? One, two, three. I said three decreasing weeks of volume going down. We consider that uh, uh, decreasing. So now we have a concrete number, a concrete, and we have a process developed around that number that says three weeks in a row means we do something. And using those same two data elements that we had at the beginning, we can do a first order lag, which is a, a lag is the difference between um, the most recent um, number uh, date and the one before. And then you can do a second order lag, which is, you know, going back the next week. And then you can do a third order lag, which is going back three weeks. And you can look at the volume of three weeks, um, the difference in the volume of three weeks, two weeks, one week, and now. And you can make an if then statement says if that is less than that and less and less than that and less than that, then flag this client. You know, you can understand that logic in simple language. You can see how it could easily be written into a program language or even in Excel or how, what I like to use LibreOffice sheet uh, and sometimes Google Sheets. Um, but uh, so that's, that's the concept is, um, well, one, if you can help it, design your information systems um, with the quality and performance metrics in mind so that you don't have to go through a lot of these hoops. Uh, and if you can do that, then that's important. The second part is design your information systems with data transformation in mind so that it makes it easier for a person like me to do these feature engineering tasks in the future. So, you know, having discrete data for the names of clients, not just free text where people can type in a client so that you end up having Joe's Barbershop spelled with an apostrophe S with a, with no apostrophe, just a S. Sometimes it's Joe's BB shop <laughs> having a drop down list in that system where they can only choose from, you know, a list of qualified names makes it so that 
my job at the end of the day is easier and it's, you know, I do have ways to hack around that, you know, that's what being a data hacker is about, but you know, that time is money and the time I'm doing that, uh, you're paying for me to do that and not to give you the business insights that you're, that you're looking for. And then the other part is, you know, setting your thresholds and limits, having a plan once those limits are crossed and recording the decisions that you make when, uh, and, and the outcomes of those decisions. So in the business sense, those are um, really great uh, properties that are, have proven very valuable at a lot of the customers that I've worked with, a lot of the organizations I've worked with, but also in my personal life, taking a lot of those, uh, a lot of the same ideas, whether it be, you know, regarding my health and fitness or, you know, my education or my kids' education being, or, you know, my personal relationships, sometimes being able to, you know, sometimes it gets a little crazy with personal relationships. You don't want to keep all types of metrics, but, you know, the idea of having written down somewhere lines that if people cross them, you make a decision about them. <laughs> it's a kind of a out there topic, but that, that way you could go back to it and said, Hey, I told myself if this person did this, then I would propose to them. And here I am. Am I too chicken to do it? <laughs> or, you know, whatever, whatever the, uh, whatever the situation, uh, might be. Um, but, but that's my, that's my talk in a nutshell. And that's the portion that I, I hope that you can take away and gain some value from. So that's it from Be Easy. And as I always say, keep hacking. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.